Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Now, regular listeners will know that this week's guest means so much to me. It is guitarist Jim Babjack of America's band, The Smithereens. One of my favorite bands of all time. I love them so much. In fact, Jeff Frank, one of our listeners, if you're listening, Jeff, hello. He was in Denver recently, and so he and I met up for dinner. And as you do, I love it so much, we just sat and talked about music for hours. And we got in this debate of what the best American rock band was of all time. Now, he was arguing for R.E.M., and you could, you could make that argument. You could also say the Beach Boys, Chicago, CCR. There's a lot of options. Me personally, my favorite American band of all time, if you're not counting Hall & Oates, is probably the Smithereens. I love everything they've ever done. So we go into the whole thing. We go into the ups and the downs. I didn't have to ask. Jim is very transparent about the challenges that he and the band have faced over the years. And this interview really almost makes me angry because if I were a rich man, I would just grant the smithereens all the money they would ever need to live comfortably the rest of their lives because they deserve it more than just about anyone else I can think of. I love them so much. You're listening to one of my very favorite songs of all time by them, House That We Used To Live In. So, a refresher. They cracked the top 40 twice with A Girl Like You in the late 80s and then again with Too Much Passion in the early 90s. They were much bigger on like college and alternative radio, which is where this song became a minor hit. But they never quite broke through all the way. Always a very respected band, uh, cult following, Never too small, but never as big as they should have been. Anyway, so that we talk about all of this. Now, I will tell you one little thing, and I tried to get it out of the way here in the very beginning. Last year, Jim's wife died of cancer, and um, I didn't want that hanging over, and I didn't want to pretend I didn't know about it. So I asked immediately how he was doing, and just to kind of, you know, get the hard part out of the way first, and then get into the conversation. So this meant the world to me. Jim called me from his drive home from work to New Jersey from Manhattan. So let's, uh, I mean, let's start with, you know, the sad part. You're on your way to a bereavement meeting. How are things since your wife passed away? <laughs> I didn't know you were going to start with that one. Oh, um, well, I thought no, I'd no, get that okay. out of the way. No, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's, uh, man, every day is... Uh, I mean, geez, I have a lot of support, and, and I still have three boys that live at home, my three sons, and, you know, in my group, there are people that um, didn't have any kids and don't have any friends, and they're, you know, they're having a tougher time dealing with the loss of a spouse, but, you know, I have I have my, my day job, and I, I have the band. I am very, very, very busy, and, uh, you know, I still cook for my kids, and I'm trying to teach them how to cook so that someday uh -huh. they can they can make me a meal. But you know, right. my wife and I both cooked, but I, but I cooked a lot. You know, it's it, it comes in waves. I mean, sometimes it'll just hit me. This this sadness will come over me for no reason. Maybe I'll hear a song on the radio or something, sure. and but uh, or something will remind me. But you know, I, it's been a year and a half, and you know, I'm actually dating. Uh, yeah, I saw you post a picture. That's encouraging yeah yeah and it's someone uh, her name is cindy and i've known her for uh she's 
close to she went to my high school, so you know, oh. close to forty forty years. Wow. And you know, she's the same age as as my wife was, and um, they they knew each other. They were friendly. So it's and, and Cindy actually managed the band for a while. Um, you know, for a, for a short while back in eighty five or eighty six mm-hmm. or something like that. And uh, but I don't really remember that part because I was already married and sure. I wasn't. I wasn't really much into the business part of it at the time, mm-hmm. and and everybody was in. They were in New York. Pat was in New York. She was in New York, and I was in Jersey. You know, mm-hmm. I had a store at the time. Actually, I had a, a record store, a record and video store. Uh, I I uh, added the videos in 1983 because it was like the latest thing, and you sure. know. <laughs> Uh, so when I found myself, you know, I joined a club for a hundred dollars, like I rent a movie for a dollar, and then I'm like, yeah. why? Why did I just join that club? I have a store. Why don't I just put videos in my store? Perfect. You know? yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, it barely paid the rent, but it was fun. I got to watch movies all day and uh, and listen to records all day, which man, I'd love to do that in retirement. Yeah. Just, uh, listen to records all day. Do you have a favorite movie? What 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 are your go-to oh. movies? Jeez, I don't really have them. Like I'll, I'll flip around and I'll, I'll, I'll watch a scene. Pulp Fiction is a good one. Like if, if I'm flipping around and there's a scene, I'll, I'll watch it. You know. Yeah, that's one of my all-time a, favorite movies too. Yeah, and there's a scene in Inglorious Bastards which cracks mm. me up every time. Is when um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brad Pitt is pretending to be an Italian, uh-huh. and he's <laughs> he's saying. <laughs> He, and he's from Texas or something. He's like, yeah, Bongiorno and uh, Riverdurchi, you know. And he's just pronouncing everything like it just yeah. cracks me up. And and then and then the other actor who's the German, the Nazi um, soldier, uh, Christoph Waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, what a great Amazing. actor he is. Yeah. And he he's like putting them on. He knows he's on to them. He's just asking them all these questions. <laughs> so I love that, and I lo- I love the good. old movies. I, I like It's a Wonderful Life, and that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, good. Right? regular job. What is your regular job? Well, I can't really say. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Well, in the handbook, it says I, I'm not supposed to talk about oh. it in public, but... No, it's a corporate bank. I work in a cubicle, and, and um, there are some people there now that know I'm in a band, but for many, many years, it was just, I'm just this guy that sits in a cubicle. But yeah. you know, because of the because of the internet and all that, you know, and touring with Tom Petty, you know, it's just yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. Sometimes somebody will come up to my desk and say, "Hey, I googled you, man." You, you. <laughs> I can't believe like, it's not common knowledge. Everyone, are, I mean, yeah. if I were sitting next to you, I would my the hair on my body would singe from the electricity of being around one of my favorite musicians. That doesn't happen yeah, to you but, every day. No, you know what it is? Most of the people I work with are like Korean, Indian, um, mm. Japanese, Chinese, okay. and Trinidad. My, I think my boss is from Trinidad. They have no idea who U2 is, let alone oh. the Smithereens. You know, they, they're like in a whole yeah. different world. And I'm okay. just, um, you know, I, I, the, the job that I do is very simple. I'm, I, I mean, I know on Wikipedia it says banker, but I'm, I'm nothing like a banker. I do administrative okay. stuff that a college kid can do. Mm. So um, it's, it's nothing like, 
you know, okay. it's just a, it's just a job. <laughs> I feel um, like you guys are on the road almost every weekend. Does it? Yes. I mean, do you maintain? And if this is too personal, you can tell me. I mean, is the job a way to sort of maintain health insurance? Is it to augment the yes. the money? I mean, could you not live off Smithereens touring money? Uh, I did, but that ran out a long okay. time ago. It, you know, the the money that you make now, a lot of it is eaten up with, uh, well, besides commissions to everybody. The hotels and flights and everything are just astronomical anymore. The, the cost of doing business. And, of course, you don't get royalties like you used to um, yeah. at all, not even close. I, I went to work because, yeah, the health insurance. I was paying like $2,000 a month in health insurance back in yeah. uh, the early 2000s, and I'm like, you know, my wife at the time said, you know, you should consider getting a job. And, well, my, my neighbor, Andy, he was in the Twin Towers when it was hit, and he, he survived. He, he was on the 42nd floor, and, and he worked at this bank that I'm working at now, and he, he brought me in uh, October, like a month later, because uh, I asked him, you know, I, I sheepishly said, that, you know, my wife wants me to get a job. And it's, oh, uh -huh. well, there's an opening. And I'm like, wait a minute. I wasn't really <laughs> dipping. I said, I don't have any clothes. I just have T-shirts and jeans, you know. Now right. i got to go buy clothes. So, but, but um, you know, I, I went in. It was in New York. And it, it was right across the street from Radio City Music Hall. And I was, I was like, I actually looked out the window and I was kind of tearing up because I'm like, wow, I just played Radio yeah. City a few years ago, and now I'm working in a cubicle, you know, it was like, what, what did I do moments? But, right, you know, right. I, had, I had three young kids at the time. I needed the health insurance, and we weren't as busy then because uh -huh. of, uh, you know, Nirvana came out, and even though we were a big influence on Kurt, you know, they, yeah, they, uh, we, we all of a sudden, yeah, we all, all of a sudden were old, you know, and you yeah. know, dropped by capital, and you know, it's funny. I, we were on tour with the Ramones in '86, and I did a—I uh, I wish I could find it somewhere. We did a radio interview, and, and Joey Ramone was with with me and Dennis and Mike. It was in South North Carolina, and they, they asked him, "How does it feel to be the Godfather of punk?" And he said, "Well, it's nice, but people we influence are making a lot more money than we ever did." Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's so, sort of the story with the Ramones, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they sold more T-shirts than they did albums, and kind of got screwed along They're the way. Probably selling more now than, than yeah. they did then. Yeah, very true. Yeah, okay. Look at CBGBs. Now it's in the airport. You can go in Newark Airport and go into CBGBs. <laughs> so <laughs> dumb. Oh man. So there's something. So I'm going to ask you a little bit about songwriting. Um, I know yeah. Pat's sort of the primary guy, but the magic yeah. to me of the Smithereens is really your riffs. And I'm not a musician at all. I don't know anything about songwriting. I've never written a song. But when Pat comes to you with a song, is he coming to you sort of with a song that's almost done saying, Jim, work your magic, those riffs of yours, do that on this? Or does he already has he figured that part out in his head when he presents the song to you? Oh, it's it's all different because I mean, there's so many songs. But, but like Only a Memory, yeah, he came up with that riff. of you I think about the days of two I search the room but you're not there the perfume lingers everywhere but it's only a memory of what I thought was going to be 
put out one solo album what is buzzed meg that's what it's called right or the songs of buzzed meg or something what is that yeah well i'm, I'm hungarian and and buzzweg is a buzz meg is a curse word in hungarian that's oh. but i spell it phonetically it's not spelled the way it is in hungarian Got it. Uh, in hungarian it would be b-a-z-d and then uh, it, uh, uh, is this like kid friendly or something sure no you can say whatever you want it, it basically means fuck it, or it could mean fuck you, mm-hmm. <laughs> but basically it. fuck fuck it. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so, but it's used in in a lot of context, and and, and like like the Italians and other uh, other uh, um, 
nationalities, they they love to curse. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Nice. Uh, okay. But but anyway, I, I just thought it was um, uh, it sounded cool, you know. And yeah. I needed a name for a band, so I just that okay. one popped in my head. Okay, I've wondered what that is. Do you? Um, I mean, you guys kind of slowed. Well, I want to I want to get into the that sort of '90s period, but I, I'm not ready to get there yet. But do you ever work on other solo material? I mean, is there? Would, are we ever going to see another Jim Babjack solo album at some point? Oh. Geez, yeah. Um, I have probably two albums worth of stuff in the can. Really? And yeah, I, I I played some for Cindy the other night. I just, you know, life got in the way. I I didn't think anybody would be interested, and and now I'm trying to figure out how to um, get it on iTunes. It's like complicated, and yeah. So I I will I, I every year I say okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out. I mean it's just. A lot of it is already done, mixed, and even mastered, and oh. uh, it's just been sitting. And then I and then I realize that some of them are over twenty years old already. Oh my gosh! Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm thinking, well, I just didn't think there was much interest. You know, I I I will get that together. And okay. Somebody somebody took my while my wife was sick. I my I I let my website lapse with the payment to whoever. And somebody in Singapore bought my domain name. Oh, so, really? So, yeah, so I had to pay, like, I don't know what it was, like $370 to get it back. And, oh, no. But I lost everything. But I'm going to – I'm starting all over. It's, like, really basic right now. But uh-huh. gonna, um, okay. once I get that together, I'll, I'll I'll start working. But, you know, life gets in the way. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm you know, uh, the day job is the main thing and touring. Yeah. You know, so like my weekends are shot, my days are shot, and yeah, you know, I, you're I a wish, busy man. I wish, I wish music would be my uh, priority. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, it, had, it was there for a while. I mean, you got right. You guys were on a pretty good run, I would imagine, there for I don't know, yeah. eight to ten years and everything. Yeah. 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 And, and 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 then even in the later days after, because I, I started working in 2001, right after 9/11. Okay. We recorded, I think, seven or eight albums since then. And yeah. what I would do is I would take off um, a couple of days to do the basic tracks, and then after work at night, I would go in and and do all my overdubs, my, all my guitar oh. overdubs and vocals. So, like, that's how – and Meet the Smithereens when we did the Beatles tribute. Uh-huh. I remember uh, I didn't know how to play those songs. The night, I, the night before I went in, I, I did a crash course. <laughs> And I figured out how to play all the songs no in way. one night. No and, way. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, no. uh, it, 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 it's nonstop. It was, um, yeah. you know, get get her done. It was the yeah. thing, you know. Okay. Well, I want to let's. I want to go th- through your career, your catalog, especially for a little bit, if you don't mind. So the first two yeah. albums to me are perfect. I mean, I love all your stuff, but those first two are absolutely bulletproof. Where Thank did you. White Castle well sure, where did White Castle Blues come from?
Was that just, it sounds like just kind of a joke. You guys messing around in the studio, and you came well, up with something. No, no. Uh, that was just me and a friend of mine from, from high school. We wrote that song in high school about oh, really? hamburger. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Dennis suggested we, we had a little time left. So, mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, Don Dixon, our producer at the time, says, hey, Jim, you want to do that hamburger song? And I'm like, yeah, okay. So it was done in one take live. So, uh, yeah. Oh, so, I mean, that was just like a, a, a crazy thing. And then what happened with Enigma Records at the time was they said, well, we're going to put this as a bonus cut on the uh, CD because CDs were kind of new then. Uh-huh. And they wanted people to buy the CDs rather than the vinyl. Yep. So they they figured they'd entice them with this hamburger song. <laughs> the <laughs> so hamburger it, song. It, it doesn't really uh, belong on the record, but it, it ended up on the record. And there it, it is. Stayed. Yeah. And, and and as a result, I was my friend Bob Banta, who wrote wrote the lyrics, uh, and I wrote the music. We ended up in the White Castle Hall of Fame because of that song. No, so, really? <laughs> yeah. They have a wall, a Hall of Fame, and every year they induct you know five people. Uh-huh. And so, you know, White Castle calls me up, or no, I find out that they're they're making a movie called Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, oh man, this is I'm a shoe in, you know. So yeah. I contacted the, the director, and I told him about the song, and I, you know, sent them some T-shirts and stuff. And I kept calling, and I said, you know, it'd be great for the end credits or something. It's a song about White yeah. Castle. So he kept stringing me along, and he'd call. He said, oh, we're not ready to do the soundtrack, not ready to do the soundtrack. And then the last time I called him, obviously, he's like, oh, it's already done. Oh. So I'm like, God, oh, are you kidding me? You know? <laughs> so I was really pissed off, and I, yeah. I told the people at White Castle. Oh, so the White, White Castle people didn't know, and they're inducting them into the White Castle Hall of Fame like years later, like many no years way. later. Yeah. And, and they invited me to their induction. No, so, really? Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? I'm really angry because they didn't uh, put my yeah. song in the movie, you know? What a no-brainer. I know, I know. So oh. they, they kind of they shamed them to put it in, putting it on the soundtrack album, which yeah. sold five copies. So right. I, I never made a dime off that. Oh, oh, shoot. oh the, thing, the thing is, I actually re-recorded it uh, because that, that way I would own it. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Except they didn't use it. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually out a thousand dollars of the whole deal. I, I spent a thousand dollars to record it, and then it didn't even get used. So. Oh no! That yeah. isn't right. Oh, that's yeah. Funny. I've always so, wondered about that. Huh. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, um, yeah. So it was just a, it was just a fluke that it got on. It doesn't, you know, belong on there really as, as a, as a concept, but. Yeah, yeah, but it's fun. I uh, yeah. my very favorite it's my very favorite Slytherin song is um, "Alone at Midnight."
and on my CD, those two songs are right next to each other. And oh, so, boy. I but they were my favorites. And so I, I can't tell you how many times I've hit repeat and played those two back to back, repeat <laughs> back to, you know what I mean? That was what a contrast. Hundreds of times. It's those, that's the best. So, okay, so Green Thoughts, I actually saw you guys in concert in Salt Lake City around 1987, 1988. It was you guys and Paul Kelly and the Messengers. Right. And, uh, yes, and I was just, I was, my mom had to take me to the concert. I think I was 14 or 15 years old. And I vaguely knew who you guys were. Um, And I remember going to the, and it was at a venue I don't even know. I'd never been there before. I've never seen it since. It was this, like, very small, very specific experience for me. And um, I remember coming away being blown away with by both of you guys. And you came out into the crowd, which I know now that you do a lot. And I'll never forget it. It was So you know, you're in Mormontown, and I'm a little Mormon teenager kid. <laughs> and you come down the stage, and you hand the guitar to the guy standing right next to me to have him play, and then someone hands you a joint and you, you're smoking the joint while the guy does the solo on your on your guitar, and I'm thinking, wow, this is just nothing like I've ever seen before, you know? What is all this happening to me? I was just this little kid. But oh, that, was, um, it was, that was incredible. And after that, it was over the years I've become – it was later that I became the diehard fan that I am now. And it was all, that was during your downtime. You know what I mean? Growing up in Salt Lake, fans didn't come through there very often. By the yeah. time I was old enough to really pay to go to shows and pay attention to all that, you guys weren't really all that active. I didn't. Fi- I finally got to see you again about five years ago at a street fair here in Louisville, Colorado. Oh, I yeah, met- I remember that. Yes, and I met you briefly, you signed my poster, and that remains one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to because there was 20 years, 25 years of pent-up, you know, uh, <laughs> expectations for that show. I never knew if it would ever happen, and thankfully I've seen you two or three times since then. But anyway, I don't even know where I was going, but I just that's my way of telling you that I love you. Well. I hope we didn't let you down. Uh, oh I, no, never. I, I remember Louisville. I, yeah, I go out. I go out into the crowd just about every show. And as a matter of fact, on on one of those early tours, it was a lot more wild. Like you know how you mentioned, there was a guy in New Orleans once that had a pitcher of beer. And during Blood and Roses, I go out with my wireless guitar and I drank his entire pitcher of beer. <laughs> and <laughs> no. well, to, to be. Full disclosure, though, it was three quarters. It wasn't full. It was only three quarters full. <laughs> okay, well, that so, makes a big difference. So years later, this guy comes to see us, and he says, hey, do you remember you drank my pitcher of beer? And I go, yes, I do remember that. Because <laughs> that doesn't happen every day, you know? Yeah. And the guy was just holding it, and he was just begging for me to drink it. You know? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, yeah. But, you know, I, uh... oh, and Louisville, the, I remember the motor was me because I they couldn't supply hard liquor and I had a bottle of McAllen and my, my brother who lived in in Colorado at the time was there and I said just keep hide the bottle okay and then at the end of the show the promoter finds this empty bottle of uh, McAllen <laughs> <laughs> and they're like 
oh, man, we're never going to play Louisville again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, fuck it. That's yeah. great. Yeah, after yeah. that, I saw you at a casino up in the mountains here at Blackhawk, and then I just saw you. I, we met briefly after your show at the Soil Dove here in Denver just a couple of months ago. And, yeah, that was um, an interesting gig. Yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love that one. All of them. I mean, I, you're one of those bands I could travel around with, you know? You'd be my Grateful Dead. I would just yeah, go we, everywhere. We we do have some fans like that. Um, I believe that, it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I believe it. more of them, but... Uh, yeah, you know, well, those who get it, it they get it. It's a small club. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, okay, so let's go to 11. Tell me, I, in case anyone doesn't already know this story, tell me the a girl like you and and say anything story hey gang we'll get back to jim in a minute but i wanted to take a sec to take care of some business first of all thank you to everybody that shared our episode last week the lowell tolhurst of the cure episode it was great to see a good response from that one i wanted to give you all shout outs individually mike risner fultz susan mcdonald the great susan mcdonald Suburban Underground, remember that radio program when I was on a couple of weeks ago, or months ago? Anyway, they shared it. Thanks, guys. Sandro Maz, James Mosdell, Caroline Lita Party. I hope it's Caroline and not Carolyn. I read it as Caroline. Tell me which if, if I'm wrong, Caroline, Carolyn. Nigel Walters, bassist extraordinaire. Nate Atchison, host of the Plug Podcast. I was on that recently. Jay Sabluski, hope I'm saying this right, Jay. Jay is that wonderful listener who gave me a gift at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. He brought me the that uh, Left of the Dial CD box set, which I've listened to a ton since then. I love it. Jay uh, requested a guest, which is going to be coming up in a few weeks. Perfect request. I've already done the interview. The guy was a little long-winded, um, but... Uh, it's worth it. So that'll be coming out in a few weeks. Thank you, Jay. MGT official. I don't know who they are. These are people I don't know. Ryan Christopher Reyes. Uh, Chain of Flowers. The Cure Mexico. I don't know what that is either. Lowell Tolhurst himself shared it. Thank you, Lowell. I love when guests do that. And it drives me bananas when they don't do it. And then the great David Ace Gutierrez. Thanks, Dave. You... David's hilarious. Thanks, you guys, for sharing it and putting the word out there. Also, I wanted to read some uh, iTunes reviews. Um, going back a little ways for some of these because I've uh, given you guys a chance to kind of send in some new ones. But BJ Kahuna, uh, who is, I'm almost 100% sure, BJ Cramp, the host of the Rock and or Roll podcast, which if you don't listen to that one, you should. All of these musicians, five stars, by the way. Thanks, BJ. All of these musicians have interesting stories to tell, and John gives them a great forum in which to tell those stories. This is fascinating stuff. Any big rock fan will love this podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I feel the same about yours. U2 Disco. I don't know them. John's a great interviewer, and the stories and details he's able to tease out of these guests are always interesting and entertaining. And it's fascinating to hear from these musicians and writers, many of whom never got their due in, and they, as they hustled to make it in the industry years ago. Great stuff here. Thanks, U2 Disco. I appreciate that. Uh, that was five stars, too. And then Elf Odin. I don't know what that is either, but thank you, Elf Odin. Five stars. For some of John's interviews, I think, who? Then during the interview, I realized that I know the work of the artist, but I never knew who the artist was. 
That's big for me. I, I love when you guys do that. Catching up on the lives of working musicians is far more interesting than current coverage of so-called celebrities. John has enthusiasm for his work, and it shows. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to read three of these until we're out of them, and then I'm going to beg you for more. So thanks, guys, for uh, sending in some good reviews. Now, I wanted to add one more thing. I'm gonna, I think every week I'm going to start reading off some of the requests that I get because a lot of you request some of the same people. And also, I, just, I think it might be interesting for you guys to hear what goes on behind the scenes here a little bit. Now, some of you send me really long, exhaustive lists, which I'm really grateful for. I probably won't read every name on that list, but I wanted to give you some highlights. So, uh, Ian Weller recently requested Billy Duffy of the Cult, which is perfect because I've been on this big cult lately. I'll tell you what happens, guys. I get in my mind a band like the cult and I think, ah, the cult would never talk to me. And so I kind of dismiss it. And then time goes by and I think, wait a minute, I love the cult. Why wouldn't they talk to me? I would do a better job than someone who doesn't know who they are. Some radio disc jockey that's just doing some promotional thing. That's what kept me from going after Marshall Crenshaw for so long. And that one turned out great. So anyway, thank you, Ian. I'm going to go after Billy or someone in the cult anyway here very soon. I'm a little backed up at the moment on interviews, but I'm going to get to that one soon. I like that idea a lot. I've been thinking the same thing. Tom Neuerberg, good old Tom. If you guys don't know, he was on Rock Solid a couple of weeks ago and killed it. Thank you, Tom. Uh, You requested The Ocean Blue. One of the most requested bands I hear. I'll tell you who these are. Ocean Blue, The Sundays... Mr. Mr., Sandy Soraya, uh, those are probably the biggest requests I ever get. And so Ocean Blue, I tried forever to get in touch with them. I finally, their publicist put me in touch directly with David Shelzel. I hope you say that's, that's how you say his name, the lead singer. And I guess Dave's a little reluctant because he says to me, hey, uh, you know, we don't, we aren't really promoting anything right now, but the next time you see something that we are going to promote, you know, tell us and we'll do it. As you guys know, I mean, promotion isn't really the point of this podcast. I mean, I I do it, but it's really more, you know, to hear the stories of these people. Well, I learned that there was a, there's a super group out called Five Billion and Diamonds, I think. I have yet to hear this album. Butch Vig is involved and a few other people. Dave, I think, is a member of that super group and they put out an album in the beginning of August. So I was pinging Dave a lot. Dave, you got something. Come on the show. Let me help you promote this five billion in diamonds thing. But I never heard from him. And that's true for so many people. So I can tell you he's a lawyer in Minnesota because I met him about 15 years ago. But uh, I don't. I, maybe he just doesn't like to talk. Anyway, that's the deal with Ocean Blue. And then Vandal Truong, I hope I'm saying that right, Vandal. I really, really apologize. He threw out a lot of names. Roxette. Roxette are a band that were also on my list. I keep a list of like two or 300 names on there that I want to track down. I've thought of Roxette too. Here's the deal. Believe it or not, those guys are still making music. In fact, I think they're really big still in like Turkey or Poland or something like that. I only know some of the hits. And so... I I try to listen to everything any guest has done before I talk to them. So this is really a matter of like me being in the mood to go listen to and absorb every Roxette album. And I just haven't done it yet. So they're on my list. I hope to get to them eventually, but I haven't done it yet. 
Another excellent choice was Howard Jones. He was the first person that ever turned me down. I reached out to Howard very early on, and his people almost immediately said thanks but no thanks. And I've heard him on several other podcasts, and this really uh, eats at me that he won't come on mine, especially because he is still huge in Utah, and that's where I'm from. He sells out amphitheaters in Utah. And so I tried to play up this whole, like, hey, you're big in Utah. I'm from Utah. I've seen you a ton. I l- I've loved you since I was a kid, and it didn't work. So maybe it's time to go back. I don't know. Breathe. Now, this one's really interesting. Vandal requested Breathe. I have been trying to go after Breathe for a while. There's only two members of that band still alive. The lead singer is named David Glasper, and he... Uh, I think he's gone a little crazy, to be honest. He lives in like a shack in Southeast Asia, I believe, or like Vietnam. And he, I think, married an Asian woman and he moved out there years and years and years ago and she died and he's still there. But he's one of these people who's very anti um internet or technology or anything so he doesn't have a cell phone he doesn't have a computer he doesn't do anything but his son a few years ago posted some videos of him reciting very strange poetry and singing songs and talking and you could tell in one of the brief interviews that's on youtube he doesn't know what amazon is and so he's reading from a script probably that his son gave him anyway very very trippy His people, who is really just a girl who helps him with his Facebook page, have told me that they will let me know when he ever kind of emerges from out of the woods, but I'm not, I don't think that's going to happen. And the other guy who's from the band who's still alive is named Marcus Lillington, I believe, and he runs a major company in London, and when I contacted him, he said, no, thank you, too much water under the bridge. So I don't think Breathe is going to happen, but that's what's going on with Breathe. And then another one was E.G. Daly. I, as you guys know, love E.G. I would love to have her on the show. I have tried many times. I don't know how to reach her. Uh, I follow her on Facebook, but there isn't a message button on there. And her website does not have a contact button. And when they don't have those things, I don't know what to do. So if any of you have ideas, let me know how you think I might be able to contact E.G. Daly. Because I would love to talk to her. And then one other from Vandal was Rupert Hine. Uh, He was a solo artist, and then he produced a lot of bands like The Fix. I love Rupert, and just so you know, Vandal, I immediately emailed him, and his wife, I believe, emailed me back and said, he's a little busy right now. Is there a deadline on this? I said, no, whenever he's ready, I'll talk. She said, great. So that should be coming down the line. I will tell you guys, I like to keep the guests secret. I don't like to tell you guys who's coming up week to week. I, I, I have this fantasy that when you see your episode come in on Tuesdays, you're surprised and excited by whose name you see on there. So, But I'll keep you posted on some of these requests. Anyway, that's that for for the requests. And then also, as a reminder, go into Amazon and pick up a t-shirt if you'd like. We just started selling them. A few have shipped already. $19.99 for a black or gray t-shirt that matches the logo. We tried to price them very low so that it would just be a fun thing that you could do without any guilt. There's no like, oh, can I afford the t-shirt or not? Is it worth it? I just want to make it cheap and fun so that you could buy it and feel good about it and wear it and think it's cool. That's what we did. So anyway, now let's get back to Jim Babjack. Oh, 
Well, uh, Pat was friends with Cameron Crowe at the time, and, you know, he sent them the script and uh, asked them to write a, a, a song for, I think it was for that scene with the with the uh, radio over uh, mm-hmm. the head of... Uh, John Cusack. Uh, John Cusack. Yeah, I'm thinking Joan Cusack. Who's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really funny. But, oh, yeah. Um, so he got the script, but and, and that's where the line, Say Anything, comes from, from the movie Say Anything. But Cameron thought that he gave away too much of the plot with the lyrics. Something like that. I used to travel in the shadows and I never found the nerve to try to walk up to you. But now I am a man and I know that there's no time to waste, there's too much to lose. Girl, you said I remember about that is Madonna was supposed to sing uh, the girl part on that because we had the same manager at the time. Really? I didn't but know that. The, the day she was supposed to come into the studio, she canceled because she was, the story is that she was having a fight with Warren Beatty or something at the time. <laughs> I, see, <laughs> at the time, I, I was like, yeah, really, Madonna? Yeah, I don't right. know. You know, we're, you know, she doesn't really... Whatever. I mean, we had to right. Carlisle on that album. Yeah, you sure did. Yeah, we we were starting to have guests. Like, on Green Thoughts, we had Del Shannon come in. Yep, and, Suzanne uh, Vega's in there somewhere. Yeah, the first album. Was- I heard it said somewhere that one day all good things come to an end. I turn around to if I do or not, it all depends. I was born the day I met you. Lived a while when you loved me. Died a little when we broke apart. Yesterday it would have mattered. Now today it doesn't mean a thing. All my hopes and dreams have shattered. Yeah, worked in an office together before. Uh, oh no before way! Us, yeah, before either of us were signed, and Suzanne had to fire Pat because, you know, they caught him making copies of our flyers when we were playing at Kenny's Castaways <laughs> in New York. No you know, way! Like, yeah, yeah. So they go, they go way back. Okay, that's yeah. great. Wow. So, but okay. Yeah, I digress, but that's gonna. No, happen. that's that's the color I love. 
So I was, I've always been curious why Cameron didn't just throw that song in there somewhere else, you know? Let it play in the end credits after, this, after everyone knows the story. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know the, the uh, details mm-hmm. about the, that, the business end of it. I, I was kind of out of it, you know? Okay, okay. But I do like my solo on that song. It's oh, one, of my, one of my favorites. So good. I will tell you, I think my favorite guitar solo ever might be Blood and Roses. Mm. Because it's uh, it just doesn't even fit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, it makes and, no and imagine... sense. It sounds like it's for a different song. Imagine my disbelief when it was played on on rock radio when it first came, it was when it first came out. I'm like this is among songs by Michael Jackson, Madonna, and all these bands, and I'm like it doesn't really fit. But it sounded great on the radio. I remember hearing yeah. it for the first time on the radio, and I was like, wow, this sounds a lot better than uh, I thought. You know, I mean, who funny. does that? Oh, go ahead. I don't know. Well, the solo that I came up with that was actually part of a song that I was working on before I met Pat back in the 70s. And and the sad part for me, or, you know, whatever, uh, Nissan used it as a a commercial uh, years ago. Okay. And all they used was the bass line, which Pat came up with, and my solo. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, but I didn't get a dime, not a fucking dime. Well, you know, I was told that you don't really get songwriting credit for for solos, and I'm like, well, uh, damn, yeah. you know, it's yeah. my, it's, I wrote it, it came, it, it's mine, right? But, um, so yeah, no, uh, huh. <laughs> hence the day job. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. But apparently, okay. I mean, they paid like two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the use of that song, and I, I didn't get a penny. So I, I, I was a little pissed off at the time, you know. Uh, and when you say this. Does that mean Pat saw that two hundred fifty thousand? I assume. Oh, I don't know. I, oh, I don't know that. Okay. That's his business. I. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm not yeah. trying to stir anything up. I'm just curious. I was drawing a conclusion. <laughs> okay. Now I am curious though. You know, this is really your first girl like you enters the top forty, 
and it's your first big hit. I mean, if anyone you were to say, do you know the Smithereens, and they say who, and you play that song, oh, sure, I know this song. So it yeah. was a, it's a hit, and it endures. How did your life change? Because prior to that, you were sort of, you were mostly being played on alternative radio. I mean, that's what I remember anyway. So now you've yeah. got a pop hit. How did your life change after that? Did it? Maybe maybe the only change is the crowds got bigger. Yeah, the crowds got bigger. We did more touring, and and I had my first son. Mm-hmm. So when I was off the road, you know, I didn't go out to clubs or see other bands or do any of that. I was a, I was a stay-at-home dad, basically. Mm-hmm. And I bought a Fostex. I started writing more songs. It's just like this recording, the four-track recorder that I bought. Um, and that, you know, that's where I came up with Cut Flowers and stuff. Like yeah. in '88. Yeah, in '88, I was able to buy a, a townhouse. Um, oh. So, okay. Yeah, that changed, and I was able to buy a car. <laughs> okay. Good. So, uh, but that was okay. So it changed a not, little bit. Not, not from record uh, sales because the money. The, the money I made was from um, touring. You yeah. Know, from, okay. And it was incessant touring. It was months and months of touring. Uh, record royalties? No, we didn't really get because all the, you know, whoever wrote the songs would get money, obviously. Yeah. But but the the royalties from the albums would were unrecouped because of the videos. The videos all cost uh. like fifty grand or whatever, and. We, matter of fact, we still owe them like uh, $800,000 or something. Probably. Because, you know, we, we did all like uh, 13 videos. Yeah. Oh, and, boy. Uh, yeah, okay. you know, you, you hear these stories. I, I'll, I'll put yeah. it in a book someday. I'll, I'll put all the math. But you've probably <laughs> read about other bands. You know, you oh, I've had a, every, almost every band I have on here has a story like this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the record companies, the artists who play on a record are the last ones to get paid. Yeah, it doesn't you know? make sense. So uh, bad. And, and I, I didn't find out until later that, you know, whenever uh, the record company took us out to dinner or got a limo for us or let yeah. us take free CDs from a record in store, all yeah. that stuff got charged back to us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I had no idea. Right. No idea. And they would fly out to see us. I'm like, really? We're paying for their. Like, yeah. don't come see us. You know, I'm not paying for your, your first class flight. I, I wasn't even flying first class. You know. Oh, that's so, unbelievable. No, no, the record business just, you know, by the time I learned what was going on, it was too late. You know, the yeah. horse was out of the barn already. And <laughs> okay. So, oh, that's yeah, rough. Yeah, there you, there you go. Okay. There you go. So I want to ask you about Blow Up because um, I have to admit, as much as I love you guys, it took me a long time to come around to that record, uh, mostly because it felt so slick. You know, yeah, it yeah. it it a lot of that really beautiful darkness that I think cement. You know, that's what the Smithereens are all about to me is that beautiful pop darkness. I don't know how else to describe it. It's sort of rubbed off. You know, it's glossed over on Blow Up, and I can't as a, as someone who loves you and and cares about your career, I couldn't help at the time even but think that maybe you know having a song on the pop charts played into this album becoming, you know, sleeker, longer, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if bloated is the wrong, right word. That's not what I mean, but, the, yeah. you know, it's 
15 minutes longer than your other albums are. You know what I'm saying? And they, yeah. too much passion. These are great songs. I'm not saying they're not good. They're just slick. What happened yeah. there? Am I on the right path with any of this? Management at the time was Freddie DeMann, who had Madonna, and Capitol Records, with the success of Eleven, they're like, "Oh, you gotta write another girl like you, and you gotta. Yeah. This has to be. This has to be. Radio is not gonna accept. And MTV, they want. They want a click track. So Dennis, mm-hmm. had, poor Dennis, had to play to a click track. Uh. And, and you know, uh, and and my guitar. I, I just, you know, it was. It wasn't the right time, and, and Nirvana just came out where we yeah. should have been doing what we were doing. Exactly. Early, but but that's the direction it went in because of all the powers that be, and that's what Pat was writing at the time. And I mean, yeah. I did I did get to write now and then. I think got on good. there. Great which, song. Uh, oh, thanks. One of my favorites. So, okay. I, you know, it's just it's just the time. It's it, it, yeah. it's of its time. And and live, yeah. you know, when you hear the songs live, they sound a lot tougher and a lot. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. They rock a lot more. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. 
Okay. Yeah, and the and producer then, uh, at Stasian was also getting pressure from the record company too. Okay. To slick he's it. Great. They had to they had to slick it up for radio, you know. Yeah, makes sense. Right, and like you said, it's it's crazy that that was the time when things were not were being less slick, you know, because of Nirvana. The grittier sound that you guys had just perfected may have done you more favors. Ultimately, I don't know. Well, here's here's the lesson. Don't listen to the fucking record company. <laughs> um, and, then, and then, you know, the, the, the 2011 album, which you're probably going to get to at some point. Yes, they, I love it. You know, there was no record company. So, I mean, there was, but we, we just did what we wanted to do, you know. Okay, good. So that, that's, you know, it took a while. On, that's, that's how it's going to be. We're going to put yeah. out what, what we want. So. Well, and especially, I mean, there's no, labels don't have any power anymore. And so they can't dictate to you what you're supposed to do anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, I am someone who really likes A Date with the Smithereens. I think Miles from Nowhere is one of your strongest songs. I get the feeling you guys sort of, that's like the, you keep that one away, tucked away. Do you guys have ill feelings toward that album or something? I know that it kind of, I don't know, it underperformed, I think, a little bit when it came out. Oh, a lot. Um, Did it? (laughs) Okay. It was a new label, RCA, and they just signed uh, Dave Matthews and Uh CZ Top, and they they weren't going to spend any money uh, promoting us. It's all about Dave Matthews, and I think they they signed the top for like five million or something. So they had to try to recoup their mm. stupidity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So yeah, we we just got swept under the rug, and it was a different album. It was a darker album for us. Mm-hmm. Pat was going through a divorce, uh-huh. uh, and you know, afternoon tea for a party of one, that kind of stuff. That's one, I, another I, one of my very favorite songs of you guys. Take me away. 
Yeah, we, we, do it, we do it live. We do Life is So Beautiful live. We do That Afternoon Tea. We've done Love is Gone recently. and um, yeah. we, we do Miles from Nowhere just about at every show. Uh, oh, I don't do know that it. I've ever seen it, so I wondered if really? maybe you guys had a bad feeling. But... I'm surprised we didn't do it in Denver. Um, Not this last time, and I don't think the time before. Maybe at the Louisville Street Fair. Yeah, I don't remember it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we do do stuff from it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So why does Mike leave? <laughs> well, uh, that'll have to be for the books. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I've but, reached but out they, to him to have him come on here, and he says he doesn't like to talk about himself. And so no, I, he, he doesn't, no. Yeah. Uh, and, okay. Well, you know, basically, I mean, he started having kids later in life, so, you know, he, mm. he's private. But, you know, he came back to do some shows with us. Uh, yeah? My wife. Ooh, yeah. You didn't hear about it? No, I, I have. I've been seeing, I follow him on Facebook, so I see him post these pictures, and I'm like, I'm in Denver. How do I get back east so I can go to one of these shows, you know? Well, he, yeah, I mean, he lives in California, but, you know. Oh, no, it's just some select shows that he that he did. Okay. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. After my wife died, and and a friend of ours in California, an old friend of ours died from a brain tumor. Um, uh, he thought, well, you know, life is short, so maybe mm-hmm. I should uh, do a couple shows. <laughs> you know? Okay. So yeah, you know, it's it, it, it was like that. Okay. And uh, you know, so yeah, so we, he you just know, keeps we, to himself. Yeah, and you know we'll we'll get together when uh, when the time is right. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Now here we enter basically kind of that. I remember Pat referring to it as the fallow period. Last time I saw you guys, what happens? I heard somewhere. I heard two things, and this is I can't even remember if this is a correct memory or not. At one point in like the mid '90s. Did Pat or you guys do a thing where you could call him and it, would he like write songs for people on demand or something like that? I yeah, feel that like was, that that yeah, happened. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, I think that was that that was Pat's thing. I I I always stayed out of uh, whatever he was doing because, like I said, I was I was more of a family guy. Yeah. I would I, I was home with my kids. Or by that time, I don't know. By that time, I, I, I wasn't working my day job then. Okay. No, I was just I was just at home with the kids and um, you know uh, barely getting by financially. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I heard really that he did I that. I really didn't then... follow. Yeah, I okay. really didn't follow all that. You know. Yeah. Sorry. About okay. That. No, that's okay because yeah. I had heard that he did something like that, which at the time was sort of almost revolutionary. Like you can call Pat Denizio of the Smithereens directly or something, and he'll write a song for you like on the spot or whatever. No one yeah. was doing that. You know, this is, I think was even pre-internet maybe. But then I also heard years later that this fallow period began because of like some intense writer's block. Is that, you seem really reluctant to talk too much about some of your bandmates. Maybe you don't want to talk about that, but what sparked this down period? I don't know. It might have been the lack of... Uh offers to play shows, mm. you know, because I think VH1 even did a Where Are They Now kind of segment, and, mm. I, you know, I kind of thought it was over at the time, and I was, huh. just, I was just 
biding my time. And that that's when I started working on solo stuff. I'm like, well, I've got all these songs coming in my head. I was actually very prolific at the time after yeah. we lost our we lost we lost our deal with RCA and then all of a sudden I started writing and I have like three albums worth of songs, you know. So I, I don't know. I mean, no, the reason I don't talk about uh, the other members is because it's, you know, some of it's their business and they know better yeah. than I do. I was basically at home, you know, my okay. kids were young, playing soccer and, you know, shit like yeah. that. So okay. I, was, I, I learned how to cook and I started cooking and, yeah. Okay, okay. So I, had a, I, I drove a minivan for a while, so I, I, I paid my dues. Yeah, I'm in that <laughs> stage of life now. The oh, minivan okay. stage of life. Yeah, I, I, I got three feel, little I feel, kids. I feel for you. But yeah. But I, I didn't have a picture of a soccer ball on the back, though. I, I didn't oh. have that. <laughs> we do. We have soccer or, practice tonight, in fact. Or so. the stick figures. I never had the stick figures on yeah. my <laughs> <laughs> I know those. <laughs> nice. Okay. So why then, during this period, is it, is it Beatles covers? Tell you something I think you'll understand When I Say that something I wanna hold your hand Is it because no one can come up with um, new songs? Is it that what's no. the dr- drive there? No, no, there? no. A- actually, at the time, at the time, no record label, nobody, not okay. even like not even uh, the smallest labels you could think of, uh, huh. wanted an original album by us. That's ridiculous. So I know. Well, that's the record industry, you know. They're, yeah. they're all about the numbers, and they're all about the profile and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, you know, we were still playing sold-out shows in a lot of cities. Yeah. But uh, there was no belief, belief in us. So E1, the label that, or Koch and E1, they put mm-hmm. out their last album, God's Save, I think was the last one with them, original. Okay. Uh, before the 2011. Oh, yeah, I and forgot about that one. I love that album, too. God Save the... Yeah, the no, race. thanks. Sorry, I forgot about that Oh, one. yeah, God Save, yeah. So what happened was uh, it was like the 40th anniversary of Meet the Beatles or something, or 1964, whatever it was, whatever it was, Pat just had this brainstorm. He's like, 
why don't we re-record the Meet the Beatles album? Like, or, mm. are you nuts? I mean, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. I, I'm like, it's the Beatles. I don't want to do yeah. the Beatles cover album. But it, what happened was, I, a, I had a lot of fun doing it. Good. It was, it was, it was, I felt like a kid again. I mean, I really did because it was one of uh-huh. my favorite records. And the, the strange thing that happened was it took off in, on its own. We didn't have a publicist or anything. But somebody in the New York Times did a, a weekend feature. It was like a two-full-page article about how great it was and this and that. And, and then we started getting more gigs because of it. And people were like, you know, where have you been? And it was like, we've always been around. It's just yeah. we, haven't been, we haven't been able to tour in Nebraska. But, you know, right. we, we've been playing Chicago and the major uh-huh. cities and New York and everything. So it kind of brought us back into the public eye in a way. And and then with uh, what with social media, yeah, I, I don't think Facebook was around yet, but there was more activity on on the internet, yeah. and, and I think that helped spread. And and a lot of people that liked us in college are now older; they, their kids yeah. are older, and they're like, "Oh, the Smithereens are still around. We'll we'll go see them." And yeah. so the record sold really well, and then then it snowballed after that. And then he once said, "Do another one," so we did B-side understand cause I've been in love before and I found that love was more than just holding hands if I give my heart to you I must be sure from the very start that Tommy Rutgers, 
another one. Like Dennis and I, when we were kids, when we were 14, used to play these a lot of those songs in in my garage. You know, like a band would practice in their basement. Uh huh. Uh huh. And uh, that's where, where and Pat would see us goofing around at Soundcheck doing "See Me Family" and all "Pinball Wizard." And it, so he said, and then there was an anniversary of Tommy. So he says, why don't we record the Tommy mm-hmm. album? I'm like, okay, but I'm not doing Uncle Ernie. Because <laughs> 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 it's just not appropriate anymore. Like, you know, uh-huh. people, I, I, like I'm scared, you know, people are going to, you know, in this <laughs> politically correct world. So, right. so we, we, we did, we did like a good selection of songs from that. And, and yeah. it turned out, turned out pretty great. I, I'm actually very pleased with it. Yeah, uh, I don't. It's... I don't know if you've heard it, but um... oh yeah, I have it. Ever since I was a young boy, I played the silver ball from Soho down to Brighton. I must have played them all, but I ain't seen nothing like him in any amusement hall. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid. Sean plays an even ball. Stands like a statue from the part of the machine Feeling on the buffers, always playing clean Plays by intuition, the digit counter's small That deaf, dumb, and blind kid Sharp plays a big pinball He's a pinball wizard, it has to be a twist I'll be honest, I, uh, of course, who doesn't love the Beatles, but those early Beatle records are not the ones that I go back to very often. So the Smithereens Beatle albums are not as exciting to me, but I do love the Tommy album, and I love your solo one and Dennis's and even Pat's covers of, like, Buddy Holly stuff and everything from the time. I like everything else a lot. I will say, as as a fan house that we used to live in is probably my favorite well i already said that about alone at midnight second yeah. favorite smithereen song and yeah. every time i see you guys you it gets stretched out into like a 10 minute version with um i'm blanking on the name of the tommy song you guys sparks 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 yes i personally would wish they were their own thing because i don't want anything taking away from my experience of just hearing House we used to live in, like I remember yeah. it, but that's just my own little, oh. little thing. Well, we, you know, it started out as just a jam. Uh, yeah. Like, um, do you have the live album, live in concert? I do. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's what I used to do. I used to do a jam there, like that.
know, it's one of those things where your manager at the time says, you know, live, it's okay to do certain songs like the record, but you really got to stretch it out. Mm-hmm. So that's why sure. Blood and Roses has a longer, which I started right away from the first tour, mm-hmm. extending Blood and Roses, because that way I could go out to the crowd. Sure. <clears throat> um, the only time we do it, just like the record, is when it's an anniversary show. Like, we'll do the entire Green Thoughts album. Got or it. we'll do the entire, especially for you, entire 11. So whenever there's an anniversary, we'll do the whole album in its entirety, and then, then we do it like the record. Got but it. otherwise, it, it, this, it, it, Sparks has become like a fan favorite. Otherwise, sure. it would have been gone by now. And yeah. That song gets a standing ovation every time. Uh, sure. So, it, sorry. It's no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm sure I'm the only weirdo that feels this way. Um, uh, you might not be, but no, nobody's ever mentioned it before. Yeah, well, it's, everyone else is doing fine, I'm sure. I, You know, I just remembered we, you mentioned the date with the smithereens. I remember buying that album off of – it was almost – you had some kind of promotional thing with VH1 Classic at the time. Maybe you don't even remember, but it was almost like an infomercial. And so I, bought, I got so – it was that and whatever Pat's solo album was at the time. I'm blanking on the name of that one, too, but – um, they were together in like a deluxe version that VH1 Classic was selling exclusively, and I really? bought it off the yeah I bought it off the TV. And, oh, um, that, yeah, that was God Save, right? Yeah. Yes, God Save. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you know, uh, 
there are a lot of people that are that are like, you know, oh, they they give their left pinky to be in smithereens or whatever. But and here I am. It's like, geez, I wish I had time and the money to write songs and record all the time. I mean, yeah. I have a backlog of like I don't know how many songs now, probably like sixty of them. Oh, wow. uh, that uh, I can't afford to record or don't have the time to record. And then there's the stuff that's finished. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's, it's that thing, life gets in the way. And keep keeping your, you know, paying your mortgage and keeping food on the yeah. table is, is priority. You know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, I have kids. Well, they're, they're, they're kind of grown now, but still. Right. <laughs> um, I They're forgot the original question, but did you yeah, ever you feel know, underappreciated? Because I'm sure. Had, yeah, we never ahead. had the champions. We never like okay, there was Kurt Cobain, but then he died. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure if he was still around, uh, I might be doing something with him right now. You yeah. know, like like a side project or something. But yeah. Um, you know, there there weren't enough people championing huh. us. Uh, I guess. You know? Were you never invited to? join another band or collaborate with somebody else on the side and kind of start a new thing? Well, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. When we met it after your show, you were talking about hanging out with Graham Maybe, uh, Joe Jackson's bass player, like you guys are buddies. Yeah. And I wonder, uh, that that kind of blew my mind because I'm a huge Joe Jackson fan too, and I'm imagining my favorite rock stars all hanging out with each other at each other's houses listening to records and just being normal people. The image we of that actually, was kind of blowing me away. Well, we actually did that. <laughs> I, I, you, you told me that when I when I saw you. But I'm when, like, do you and Denver? Graham maybe and other – what's that? It, that was in Denver I told you that? Yeah. I th- yeah. Wow. Yeah, this was um, – yeah, when did I see you? August or something like that? September? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh but I mean do you, do guys like you guys ever think well let's get our, let's do a our own like little super group and work on our own material and Yeah, I actually I have thought about that. We did another version of In a Lonely Place. It was supposed to be for a movie but it never came out. But I uh-huh. extended the ending where I put an electric guitar solo at the end of the song. But Mike had already left at that point, so Graham played on that version. No uh, it's on iTunes somewhere. Okay, uh, good. Under under greatest hits revisited or some bullshit like that. Okay, uh-huh. where we we re-recorded a lot of our hit because we were hoping, oh, next time there's a, a commercial they can use our version and then maybe we'll get a few yeah. dollars, you know. Sure, but, a lot of bands do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but but it's few and far between. I mean. Yeah. Joey Ramone asked Mike to join, but that the Ramones back, but that was back in 1988. So mm, you know, Mike, okay. Mike said Mike declined because we were, sure. you know, it wasn't the I, right time. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. whenever Dee Dee left, whatever year that was. Okay. So, okay. but no, I've never been asked. Uh, huh. But but I have been in other groups. Like there was a a corporate. Uh, there was a group that did uh, corporate shows where I was in there with Pat. And Clem Burke ah, from Blondie, uh, sure. Gilby Clark, Gilby Clark. <laughs> um, let, let me. Uh, Chips Enough was on bass. No way. Uh, Kathy Valentine also yeah. was there, and uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter. No Marshall, way. Marshall Crenshaw. Oh, I love and, him. 
Peter Zaremba from the Flesh Stones. Oh, we, we, we were in a band that did a couple of corporate gigs, like these private gigs. And oh. it, was, it was a lot of fun. That sounds fact, like heaven to me. I, I, I sat next to Chips enough on a plane, and he said, hey, watch this. And they, they were still giving out pillows at the time. So he uh-huh. took a, a roach out, like a, a, a little joint. He took, he lit it, took one hit, and he blew it into the pillow, and then he put it out right away. And nobody on the plane could tell that he was smoking. <laughs> so he, he would keep doing this, and he would, you know, get high on the plane. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm... I'm but, but this is before 9-11 and before uh-huh. you get tased and all that stuff. Sure, so, sure. <laughs> you know, oh, that's classic. Yeah, we had a lot of good times. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Well, look, I uh, you've been gracious with your time. I want to ask you just a couple. These are the last questions I ask almost everybody. Yeah. Do you have any regrets? Is there anything, um, any decision that you made that may have altered, you know, the the path you were on in a way in a negative way that you wish hadn't happened or whatever and then i just want to know what your best tastiest memory is of all time the thing you just can't believe happened to you oh well i mean there's a lot of things like that like i can't believe we were on saturday night live you know yeah that blows my mind and it didn't at the time at the time it just felt i'm just doing normal stuff but now I'm thinking back, like, wow, we we toured yeah. Europe, we were in Australia, we did, you know, we played at Carnegie Hall, you know, and just uh, mm-hmm. crazy shit like that. And um, what was the first question about regrets? If you have any regrets, yeah. That's if you a, have any that's regrets, a, that's a tough one because I, I don't believe you should have regrets, but there mm-hmm. were times that I did, you know, especially in the in the '90s when our career was was down in the tubes. I, I wish I had never joined the band because I was supposed to move to Arizona with my dad. I, I actually talked my parents into selling everything and moving to Arizona because my dad had a tavern at the time. Really? And I stayed. I it, It's all going to be in my book someday. But I okay. I, I stayed uh, behind because the band had just started in 1980. Uh-huh. And I, I think I would have just been a, bit in a, in a business person. I probably would have had a lot more money <laughs> yeah. than I do now, and there yeah. would have been more opportunities, you know. Uh, uh, so I can't imagine a fine. world without you, though, Jim. No, I mean, the, well, sure. I mean, I'm not just blowing smoke. The the impact you've had on the lives of people like me and thousands of others would it's too big. I'd be lost if I didn't no, have I, the smithereens I, in my life. I I do I do uh, not take that for granted because I I get a lot of private emails and messages. And, and it's all endearing. And even at the after a show at the merchandise table, when I'm talking to people, it's like, you know, they're telling me this incredible stuff. Uh, yeah. And and how, yeah. So it's, you know, I take it to heart. I good. I I, I totally do. I you know I don't uh-huh. dismiss it. And um, I, you know, I I I guess I can't regret it because then. Yeah. It's like the little bug who went to chew. If you change one thing, then you know my yeah. kids not, might not have been born or true you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, true. But you know things happen for a reason, I suppose. And especially now, since my wife passed away, I realized that you know there's a plan out there for you. You can't. You yeah. can try to alter it, but basically, whatever happens is going to happen. 
Right. I mean, you can you can try to change things, but ultimately it's your decision. Like I decided not to move to Arizona with my dad, and I decided to stay here and uh, play in the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and my dad was really angry at me for like five years until oh. our first record came out, and it was on the charts. And all of a sudden, then he was a proud dad. But before that, he was no. <laughs> he was yeah. very angry. Yeah. He was very angry that uh, that I didn't that I kind of let him down because we were supposed to go into business together, you know, buy right. a tavern out there. Oh boy. So he needed he needed his left hand, you know. Yeah, yeah. In Jersey, we had a tavern in New Jersey, and I was, you know, I worked there seven days a week, you know. Oh really? Uh, yeah, because the drinking age was eighteen. So okay. Uh, yeah, and and I I lived we lived on top of the bar, and when I was. No when way. I was, before I was 18, I would uh, stock the beer coolers before I went to school and, you know, uh, yeah. sweep the floors. And I had all right. these chores to do running the business. So by the time that I would have been your life. Yeah. By the time I was 18, I was already ordering the, you know, the, the, the liquor and managing yeah. the place, you know. Yeah. So I, I was much more mature then. And then when I joined the <laughs> band, I kind of regressed into the, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, boy, drinking. that would have been your life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bar owner. Um, okay, how's Pat's health, by the way? Well, I don't know if that's you something know, you're open to talking about. No, no, we're taking some time off because he's getting therapy because he, he took a fall and uh, he hurt his neck and his, his arms. So hopefully we'll be back in January. And um, okay, we 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 actually started working on some new songs before this happened. Oh, so, yeah. um, you know, we're looking okay. forward to uh, continuing when he gets better. Okay, good. I worry about him. When you guys yeah. were here at the um, Soil Dove, when I saw you just a couple of months ago, he yeah. had his arm in a sling, you know. The, yeah. the personality is still there, and he's still vibrant when he's talking and singing sounds good and everything. But yeah. I just worried about him, you know. He had to... People had to kind of help him get drinks and help him move around, and it just yeah. breaks my heart. Yeah, well, that's, that's why he took a fall because he, you know, couldn't balance and he couldn't, you know, he yeah. couldn't break his fall with. Uh... Yeah. I'm just beeping at some people who are not going through a green light. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> no, it's like what the hell are they? I know. Now they're going to make me so go through a red light. Look at this. Jesus yeah. Christ. All right. Yeah. And you can okay. keep that in and you can keep that in the podcast. I'm going to. It's <laughs> nice color. I love it. So well, yeah, you, Jim, you ever watch you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Oh yeah, I sure do. I, I love Larry David and and a lot of time my wife used to say, you know, you're a lot like Larry David. <laughs> so here I am like beeping at this guy, he's gonna come out and like beat me up or something. <laughs> I would love that. I mean I don't want you to get beat beat up, but I'd love to have a recording of that. No, no, no. So, so, all right. Well, it, it was a pleasure talking to you. Max, thank you. Almost Good. Okay. Jim, I love you so much. You've brought thank so you. much happiness to my life. I, Like I said, I'd be lost without you. I'm so grateful for you. Everything, oh. all of it, the ups and the downs. So thank you for making my life better. And, you know, it's people like you that, that keep us going. I mean, otherwise, uh, you know, what's the point? Sure. You know, uh, it's definitely yeah. not the money. <laughs> well, so, that's what we're learning. And that goes for the other guys, too, Dennis and Pat and Mike yeah. and Trilla and everyone else. I love you so much. So thank you for oh, everything. Thank you. And All we right. love you, too. We love Good. You too. Thank you. 
There you have it, Jim Babjack. I love them so much. That meant so much to me. And I thought it was really interesting how deferential he was to his other bandmates, didn't you? I thought it said, he actually said more by what he didn't say than by what he did say. And you guys, these bands, they're like families, especially if you gotta keep it going and it's not easy and it's a grind and there's poor health and there's death and all these things, people leaving and having to pay bills. It's not easy. And a band like the Smithereens, God, they deserve more. It frustrates me to no end. I as much as I loved him, this conversation made me mad because I just thought it's not fair. So let me give you some advice. I hear from a lot of you when you listen to these episodes, it's, you know, I had forgotten all about so-and-so. And so I went and bought the album or I got turned on to this or that, which nothing makes me happier, by the way. If you need a place to start with the Smithereens and you've never done this before and you're sheepish about it, they put out a greatest hits album a few years ago called Blown to Smithereens that is one of the most perfect single disc greatest hits compilations you will ever hear in your life. If you have to start somewhere, start there and then go into the individual albums. They're all amazing, especially the first two, especially for you and Green Thoughts. Incredible. I, I gave short shrift. I didn't mean to. We were running out of time. But their last album, New Material, came out in 2011, and it's called 2011. And it has a killer kickoff song, song on it called Sorry, and that's what's playing right here. And then I also, I didn't mean to, but I also sort of gave short shrift to God Save the Smithereens, which is an album they put out in the late 90s that's also really good. Uh, I'm going to play a song after this one called House at the End of the World. And, you know, we were talking in there about how great uh, Pat sounds with a female singing with him. So there's a woman singing in, with the, in that song with him named Carrie... Aker. I hope I'm saying it right. I don't know who Carrie is, but she sounds amazing in this song, House at the End of the World. So I hope you guys will stick around and check that out. Uh, please buy some Smithereens, buy a lot of it, and go see them live. Uh, soon. I worry about Pat's health. Pat, if you're listening, get well soon. I love you a lot. Now, the business, as you know, find us on Facebook, like our page. You can send me a message on there if you want. You can email us at thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Go find a t-shirt. Buy it if you don't mind. If you like it, let me know. Send me a picture of it if you want. And huge thanks, as always, to my right-hand man, Jan the Man Makiewicz. Thanks for producing this and making it sound great. Love you, buddy. We will talk to you all next week. Oh, teaser for next week. We're going to feature one of the great... Uh, another great college alternative rock band of the 80s. They were never huge, but they were uh, very respected and had some hits on college and alternative radio. Unfortunately, they, they had a tragedy a few years ago that has put a stop to that band. It's over, unfortunately. But hopefully you'll hear some music in that one that reminds you that they were a great band. And if you think you know who it is, always send me a note. Bye, everybody. Love you.